Hi, Felix. He just hopped up onto my desk. Right. He knew it was time to record. Yeah, he's like, and Mama, pay attention to me now. He's, I don't know if it's picking up on the mic, but he is like rubbing his ass against my microphone. So if anybody's wondering what that is, it's Felix's ass. Perfect. <laughs> I guess we know how he feels about this doc. I mean, I like to think it's how he feels about Richard Ramirez. Yeah. Which so, is. In case you good. didn't read the title and you just saw that we released an episode and you immediately slammed on the play button. As you this should. Is, this is Crime Culture, and we're talking about Night Stalker, the hunt for a serial killer. Hell yeah. Yeah. Though I will say, I mean, there was quite a bit of hunting. Yeah. There was a fair amount of hunting. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so just for some stats, we're jumping right in, by the way. Oh, we're... no, we're not. Just kidding. We have a correction section. Oh, <gasps> correction section. Can we I have literally... Michael write a jingle for a correction section? Oh, of course. It's not like he has anything better to do. Like, yeah, right? He's please. not working. Yeah. He loves me. So, I mean, what other job could he have? <laughs> um, Fucking nothing. <laughs> so this is from our friend Kate in Canada. Hey, Kate. Um, the alliteration is not Canada lost. Kate. Kate in Canada. Canadian Kate. Um, <gasps> I know, right? Cute. So this is, um, I guess I'll, I'll just, uh, this is in reference to our 200th episode in which we brought up updates on various cases, including the Highway of Tears. It is getting yeah. cell service by fall 2022. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. But they gave, a, they, they sent us a message and they prefaced it with, they weren't sure whether or not this was going to be mentioned that, like later in the episode because they were smack dab in the middle of it. Um, but they they did not that or we did not mention it. Um, so basically, Kate says if anybody has an old cell phone that's in working order with a charger, m again, you can also first of all you can donate it to a woman's shelter. Um, this which, was us. This was in reference to us saying that, like, yeah, the Highway of Tears is getting cell service, but that is assuming that most people have cell phones. Yes. Or yeah, yeah. Yes. So, so we were talking about how, yeah, cell phone is still a privilege. Should yes. be everyone should have one, but yes. And Kate not, did not confirm that cell phone plans are expensive there, and I was like, oh I yeah, I think they're expensive like, everywhere. No, 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 no. They actually they were talking about like that they were like working at a call center that like sold them in the united states and they were like marveling at how much cheaper it was here really so yeah so i mean and honestly for once something isn't more expensive in the u.s than it is everywhere else i guess i'll take it um but no so basically if you have a charger and an old cell phone donate it to a women's shelter uh because you can still call 911 even if you do not have a cell phone plan. And that's the case in Canada. I did a quick I Google think search. I, did know, I think I knew that. I, I didn't why. know this. That was fucking fascinating to me. I d and I did a quick Google search. And according to 911.gov, all wireless phones, even those that are not subscribed to or supported by a specific carrier, can call 911. Um, if disconnected, the, call, the 911 center cannot call you back. So, like, if you need to stay on the line, do your best to stay on the line, if at all possible. Um, but, yeah. like I always you thought you also didn't need to have service to call 911. That I'm not sure about. Um, I, because, and that like, wasn't mentioned by Kate here. At least in the, just... in the U.S., if I've traveled anywhere and I don't have service, which used to be a lot more, but T-Mobile has, like, gotten better. Mm -hmm. um, but... I would be in an area with no service and it would say like emergency calls only. Thank oh. God I've never had to use the emergency calls. So yes. I, I don't have a reason to test it. Um, True. Thankfully. But if One anybody has, from if anybody has, I'm terribly sorry, but also I kind of want to know, does like what, how does that work? Yeah, I, I don't know. And I did a quick Google search just now and I'm not seeing much. Um, like I, I'm seeing, I'm seeing answers, but they're from like Quora and like right. .nets. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and we're trying to be more credible than QAnon, so 
we're just gonna but yeah kate thank you so much shout out to kate shout out to their puppy and their kitties because we're not just did we get good photos no i was gonna say we're not just like like friendly on instagram or anything i fully stalked their profile it's private but they have emojis and therefore i can tell um and there's a dog in the profile picture and why would you put a dog in your profile picture if it's not your dog I mean, I have lots of It's clearly a poodle. There's a poodle emoji in the thing. But shout out to Kate. Shout out to Kate's partner. Cherish Kate. Yeah. I have lots of friends that don't own dogs and they have dogs in their profiles. Because. That's that's cat. All right. Makeup is not catfishing. That is catfishing. Or maybe it's dog fishing. I'm not really sure. But that's, that's some fucked up shit. Because you're giving me false hope that I get to meet a dog at some point. And I don't. I don't know. Maybe I don't. Access to a dog. Yeah, but access to a dog doesn't guarantee I get to meet the dog. I don't know. Anyway, can we talk about the Night Stalker now? I guess. Well, then. Remember when we said we were jumping right into it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't. I forgot we had correction section. Oh, no. I'm, I'm making fun of myself. It's actually not yes. correction section. I would say it's clarification corner. Okay. I'll take that. Yeah. Or like, or like. Fun fact, fracas. We'll figure something better out, but sure, that'll work for now. We'll work on it. Um, so we are talking about Night Stalker, the hunt for a serial killer. It's the Netflix docu series that came out earlier this year. Yeah, it came out twenty twenty one. Look at me doing my research. You got uh, it. It came out in January of this year, but we've gotten some requests. We have, and uh, we usually like to wait until people have like definitely seen it. If you're planning on watching it, it's been out for almost a year, so get on it. And um, also, like, we kind of want to wait to hear what people have to say about it before we figure out what we're talking about. And I'm going to reference a bunch of articles talking about it. So we let everyone else do the work first. Right? <laughs> yes, come in actually. Late. We're like the fourth kid on a group project. Oh, I hated those kids. <laughs> I was never that kid. I no, was I was never too, that kid either. But I, I can be that kid now failing. because I'm an adult. Okay, as long as you're not that kid with me, I'm fine with it. Sure. Hey. All right. So I looked it up right before we started recording. And as of the time of recording this, the whole the docuseries as a whole, because it's four parts, I believe. Yep. It has a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes, an 82% audience score, and a 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Mm-hmm. And the critics' consensus is, quote, Though Night Stalker, the hunt for a serial killer, succumbs to the sensational side of true crime, it paints a fascinating, chilling portrait of a killer and the city he terrorized, end quote. And just to grab, like, a positive and negative review... One positive review was from Chauncey K. Robinson of The Twisted Girl Next Door. And they said, quote, Night Stalker, The Hunt for a Serial Killer is a doc that focuses more on a city in peril than the boogeyman that caused it. Nothing groundbreaking, but it does have more details about the victims and the police who brought Ramirez to justice, end quote. And there's a negative review from Aja Romero of Vox. And they say, quote, Night Stalker's focus on the hunt for Ramirez keeps the series at a steady pace, but it's also pretty dry storytelling, a mostly straightforward, uneventful recounting of events, attacks, eyewitness sightings, and police chasing down leads, end quote. Okay. So the negative review mostly just says that it's relatively boring. Yes, which I, I would not, personally, I would not say that. I am not a documentary person. I'm sure that comes as a shock to many of you. Um... I'm not a documentary person per se. So I it's got to be something where like, for example, like we keep going back to it, but Tiger King had me, it, it, I like my attention was there and nowhere else. Don't tell that to the, to the employers I had at the time. Um, Cause I was definitely watching it during work hours, but who wasn't honestly, we were at the mm. beginning of a pandemic. Um, but no, this was something where like, I was I, like granted, like if I, how do I put this? It wasn't so complicated that if I had to direct my attention elsewhere, I wouldn't be able to follow. I feel like you. we already knew the story, too. So that kind of helps. True. But I thought that it was... I, I, I did think that it was enough to keep me... 
just just captivated. Um, I liked that it was in also succinct, like 45 ish minute episodes. So you can Mm -hmm. just watch one and take a break or you can binge it all the way through. It's it's totally your call. Um, I I, but especially like the opener, I I just really struck me because they were like playing like all kinds of like sound bites and songs and stuff from that time period to kind of set the stage. Do you remember that? And they were talking, they were like, oh, and the Pope came. And like, this was a time when like all of this other shit was going on. And I think it really like kind of set the scene because yeah, you, you hear about this case from like, you know, like two fucking white women running a true crime podcast from opposite sides of the country years and years and years later, but you don't hear about it like you don't think about it from the perspective of somebody who was actually like alive during that time in California in fear of the Night Stalker. Yeah. And I think that those little tidbits really kind of kind kind of like set the scene. And I think it made it more like it it's not just a true crime story that you hear on a podcast. Like this is shit that actually happened, which I mean obviously yes, like no duh. Not yeah, from not the trying people, to be insensitive. From the people that experienced it yes it puts you in their place it puts you like in their shoes which i think is really like a valuable asset to storytelling especially when it comes to like a documentary Mm -hmm. and i know i had heard as i was like looking through a bunch of different things i had seen that some people were kind of complaining like uh, it's all about the cops yes search for him i was like it is called the hunt for a serial killer so like you can have a night stalker documentary that is about Richard Ramirez's childhood and each one of like his detailed attacks on each one of his victims. That could be, that could be something different, but this is called the hunt for a serial killer. So the store, like the, the drive of this docuseries is looking for Richard Ramirez and finding him and hunting him down. Yes. I I will say, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just like that is uh, something to think about if people are like, well, I wish it was something like this. Like there are docuseries, like there are documentaries about Richard Ramirez. There are like other documentaries about um, Ted Bundy and like everybody. Like there's a bunch of them out there. Yeah. But this one has a separate focus. You can swing Felix and you'll hit one with either of his eyes on opposite head ends Mm -hmm. of his little hammerhead shark head. But um, the, I will say, I, like, I can I, I agree with you from that perspective that like, yeah, like if, if you don't like it, there's probably one that's that tells, for example, like more of like the story of who Ramirez was as a killer, if that's what you're into or whatever it is. I don't know. Y'all are weird. But um, last I, podcast I on the say, left, their series on Richard Ramirez, they went into Ramirez's backstory a lot mm-hmm. and like kind of like how he became so fucked up so yes, which if, is important yeah so uh definitely like go ahead and listen to that if you're interested in more of like the backstory and everything yes but i will say one i i do take a little bit of umbrage with not i don't mind that they told it from a like this is how we hunted for Richard Ramirez for the Night Stalker and like we determined that the shoe size we had was wrong and like shit like that Mm -hmm. that doesn't bother Mm -hmm. me because it's the facts of the case like you need to know the facts of the case what what did kind of bother me a bit though was it seems like they were I don't know what I don't know what you would really call it um they were just kind of putting the police up on a pedestal i felt i felt like this was mm-hmm. very much a like oh like cops are the, the these cops are the good ones because they did this great thing and i'm not saying whether or not these officers who were like gilbert for example the um investigator who was heavily featured as Gil like, leading yes yeah. as as leading the charge to take down ramirez um or that that other detective um frank falzone um frank salerno salerno i thought it was falzone i see no? Fra- i'm losing I'm, look- I'm looking at the imdb and i said his name wrong it's gil carrillo i believe and okay. frank salerno okay okay i don't know where falzone came from then I'm, I'm i'm a level with y'all i watched this like 
a few days ago and we've been doing a few episodes and I've been having a few milkshakes. So <laughs> it all right. Um, uh, but I, I think Frank Salerno was the um, the uh, like kind of prolific guy that I think. I think he had something to do with, we probably already talked about it, uh, something to do with the Hillside Stranglers, maybe, and also possibly Kemper, I think. He had something to do with a couple of like high-profile serial killer cases around that time, so it was like a big deal that he was also working on this, and that I think uh, Gil was a rookie cop during that time. Yes, he was. Yeah, so... Um, so uh, it was he like Frank was like one of his heroes that he got yes. to like really work with. And it was it was uh, a really big thing for him to be able to work with this guy that had uh, put lots of terrible people behind bars or had a hand in doing that. But OK, but I, baby, I think we're talking about different people. <laughs> are you? I think we're talking about different people because I'm talking about the guy at the end who it's like the very end and the music is swelling in this triumphant thing where he he gets a hold of that informant and he's like, and I punched him like a hero and it wasn't my best punch, but it did the job. And he, uh, he was trying to get the name of Richard Ramirez and the guy was like, oh, I'm so scared. It's Ramirez. It's Ramirez. That's okay. the guy that I'm oh, referencing. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And yes, that, yes. that's what I'm saying. Like they like they okay, they okay. they made him seem like such a it's hero. And obviously, stop naming your kids Frank. God damn it! <laughs> um, but that's that's who I mean. That they that just the way like the music swells and every like you know yeah, what I yeah. mean. That they like treat it like. I mean, obviously, yes, these victims deserved justice. I I loved that they provided testimonies from like that that one, for example, that one woman who was a little girl yep. at the time who survived. Um, I don't want to get too into that just in case, because obviously like there are some trigger warnings. Um, it was at least not having, not being a survivor of sexual assault. It was very difficult for me to watch and listen to. So I can only imagine how it would be for somebody who may be triggered by that. And if you don't know Um, the story, if you haven't seen the docuseries or you don't know the story of Richard Ramirez, weird place to start learning about it. But we have um, a separate episode about Richard Ramirez. So if you need more backstory on that, go ahead and listen to that. Haley's just negging the docuseries so that she'll turn to our episode instead. Um. (laughs) Well, I do have um, I do have an excerpt from an article here specifically about the um like cop kind of propaganda in yes, this if that's you, a if you want me to, 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 to talk about it yeah please um i forget i have a couple of articles i have an article from variety an article from buzzfeed and one from nerdist so mm-hmm. um this is from one of those i will link i can link all of them on the website um but in this article it said um very early on we decided that we're not going to glamorize the killer in any way and we're not making him a hero uh, this is from the uh, director. Uh, his last name is Russell. His first name is Tiller. Tiller Russell. Last name is. Russell. First name Tiller. <laughs> Seems um, like it should be the opposite, but it's not. Okay. Whatever. In reality, uh, Russell was fighting a losing battle. Almost any attempts at deglamorizing Richard Ramirez's serial murders are futile. Retelling the story for the umpteenth time invariably increases its grasp on Americana, even without focusing on the killer himself. Removing the titular figure from the documentary about the Night Stalker simultaneously casts the detectives as heroes and adds on to mm-hmm. decades of mythmaking. Ramirez comes across as invisible, menacing specter looming across the series. Meanwhile, this framing valorizes law enforcement mm-hmm. at large and does no favors for a genre that is inherently cop propaganda. Mm-hmm. The 2020 summer of protests shed light on the fact that documentaries like Night Stalker failed to paint an accurate picture of the American criminal justice system. While the valent, uh, I'm totally butchering words. You're okay. Uh, the actions of valiant jesus fucking christ i will uh preface this by saying it is currently one o'clock in the morning as we're recording this so back in the og days where we we, where we were recording until three yeah so while the valiant actions of gil carrillo and lajala all right you want me to pull that one out oh no i just mean like we're just fucking losing it i know (laughs) all right Um, i'm so sorry go ahead uh gil 
Carrillo and Frank Salerno, the detectives who caught Ramirez, may warrant commemoration. Night Stalker's mm-hmm. celebration of the police feeds into the narrative that calling law enforcement results in them saving the day. This is occasionally true if you're white. Massive mm-hmm. errors during high-profile murder investigations are no rarity in the true crime genre, even in a police-sympathetic retelling like Night Stalker. Examples during the hunt for Ramirez include, but are not limited to, leaving Ramirez's impounded car in the sun so long that fingerprint evidence was erased, further not installing a robbery alarm that could have caught Ramirez. Mm -hmm. While the tireless efforts to catch the killer and kept Los Angeles, uh, the Los Angeles community safe is deservedly celebrated, retellings of the Night Stalker saga and any true crime story should criticize the authorities' mistakes as much as they celebrate the eventual capture of the killer. The Mm -hmm. way to truly deglamorize the serial killer isn't to make heroes of the cops who catch them. Excessive valorization of law enforcement in true crime documentaries only undermines the earned political skepticism towards the police resulting from the Black Lives Matter protests. The Mm -hmm. only way to deglamorize a figure like Richard Ramirez is to demystify the killer, unravel the cult of personality built up around decades of serial killer fascination, and consider how pathetic they are. Yes, and I'm in full. Who who wrote that again? Because I think that they deserve full credit. I want to say that this. What I'm as you talk a little bit vamp over me. Spot. I think it was the Nerdist article. Well, the the three articles. I'll just say the three articles. Hey, the three articles that I reference are going to be. The one from Nerdist is called Netflix, The Night Stalker Falls Prey to True Crime Tropes. The one from BuzzFeed is Netflix Night Stalker is a Gory Mess. And the Variety article is Netflix Night Stalker docuseries director. I didn't want to glamorize him, which I think I will get to in a little bit. But I'm pretty sure that this one was... And and two segue. The one that I just... quoted from that was the nerdist article and it was written by wc hoag h-o-a-g because yeah they hit the nail on the head i think i think that that was very well put i couldn't have said it better myself um but that's why i wanted to read the whole thing because yeah because it was profound and so true um i do i do feel that that is some a risk that we run into with true crime in general with this fascination is that there is as for as much as there is the risk of people uh glorifying serial killers there is also the risk of people glorifying cops and both for lack of a better term professions are not something to be glorified i mean yeah for for their own reasons but i'm i the quote, the way to deglamorize a serial killer isn't to make heroes of the cops who catch them. I believe that is true. Yes. Yes. Um, like, yeah, there was terrible, terrible mistakes that cost lives during this, that they yes. couldn't get fingerprint evidence because they left the fucking car out and everything. Right. There was great police work that happened, but there was also mistakes that Fucked up. Yeah. Mistakes that really should not have happened. Well, and I wouldn't even go so far as just to say mistakes that really should have happened, that really should not have happened. I think that also, like, let's not forget at the beginning of this whole this whole harangue when um, Detective Carrillo is saying, hey, I think that all of these crimes are connected. Hey, I think the same person is doing all of this stuff. Hey, like this is happening and this seems to be similar with the MO to this that he he said he was like his his friend from whatever from like the homicide department or wherever it was was like yo they're like making fun of you they're laughing at you they think yep. that you're like crazy for like they didn't take one of their colleagues seriously yeah when he was correct he, yeah he was more of a rookie so they were like uh. yeah and i think he said they thought he was trying to make a name for himself but even beyond that like sure like we all we all know that kid and yes we all hate that kid but sometimes that kid is right and it would be stupid to like let a hunch like that fall by the wayside when it could mean life or death yeah like even if you don't if you think the person has it for has it in for themselves like what have you it's still that doesn't mean that 
it's not worth following up on. And yeah, maybe they get credit. Oh, no. But like, it just it. It, it really, I think that there was, for all the good police work there was, there was also shoddy police work. And again, like, yeah, there can be a good cop. Like, yeah. you can come across, just like in any profession, again, not serial killers, but... Uh, one, you, of my, can, one of my best friend's fathers, who is like a second dad's mate, is an ex-cop, and yeah. he's nothing but the best person I've ever met. Yeah. So, like, it, it's... It, it's, it can happen, but disproportionately it's not the majority. so. Yeah. Yeah. You know how they say a bad apple spoils the bunch? It's the opposite. There's a ton of bad apples. It's when you find a good one that doesn't have like a worm and all that rotting shit in it. That, that's, that's where you kind of find the great white buffalo unicorn thing. Well, but, it's also, I don't, I don't remember what, what comedian had the joke. It's like, there are some there's some jobs you can't have any bad apples in. Like you can't have like, yeah. uh, like you can't have like, oh, he's one bad pilot. He flew the plane into a mountain. Like, absolutely. No. And this he, is one of those. I agree. Yeah. And it's just becoming a thing of like, uh, you turn the lights on and all the cockroaches scatter. It's just, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's a problem that is worse. The more you look into it. Absolutely. Which is terrifying to think of. Yeah. And the system needs to be redone, but we're not going to do it in this podcast. <laughs> yes. But um, and, and not to not to try to abruptly change the subject, but I will say that one thing that they did get right that you also touched on in that article um, is that they didn't glorify Ramirez, obviously, but also they kind of gave him like I know that they they said in the article that he was kind of like looming, but I didn't quite interpret it that way. I saw it more as like they like to me it was like palpable that they gave him a backseat, like that they mm. did not bring him to the forefront. Yeah. It was not about him. Like we were talking about the the like the lengths that people went to to try to find him and whatnot, but there was also a heavy, heavy, heavy emphasis on the for lack of a better word impact statements of his uh, of people who survived the family members of his victims witnesses Mm -hmm. like just so many people who at at, like were terrorized firsthand secondhand by this man yeah and i think that that's very important that they made that so prevalent yeah well, um, the Variety article that I referenced, um, it was kind of like an interview with the director, Tiller Russell, and uh, he gave kind of an explanation of why he wanted to focus on the cops and not Ramirez himself. Uh, so I'm just going to quote that real quick. He says, perspective is one of the most important decisions that ends up getting made in the course of telling a story like this. There was a weird afterlife that Richard Ramirez had and still has. There was this celebrityization of him as a character due to the circus-like nature of the trial, and he became this weird, obscure object of desire. I didn't want to glamorize him in any way. That was incredibly important to us not to fall prey to his false and corrupting and dangerous myth. So what perspective do you want to anchor it in? Those homicide cops and what they went through to catch him became a natural entry into the story. It allowed us to take uh, it allowed us to make a past tense story in a present tense. We only revealed what we knew when we knew it. They were detectives walking into the dark and trying to unearth information clue by clue. We also wanted to remind the audience of the victims and their surviving family members to really show them the extreme horror and terror and brutality of these attacks. We needed to honor their stories and what they went through. What often happens for the victims of a sensational crime spree is that they can be reductive and dehumanizing. They can be viewed as just a a statistic of somebody else's deprivations. We wanted to treat those people as people. That summer in LA, everybody felt like it could be me. It could be my kid. It could be my grandmother that goes next. Yeah. So the goal was to highly focus um, the victims and the surviving family members. And um, I I get what he was, I get the... um, the structure of yeah uh throughout the episodes you you're only given the information as the cops figure it out 
Um, which right. if you don't know anything about the case is an interesting way to look at it. Definitely. Yeah. And you're not like switching back and forth between like the hunt for him and what Ramirez is doing at that point in time. Right. You're um, so I, I do like, time. yeah, I do like that narrative. I think that's yes. kind of interesting. Yes. And I don't think it's one that's done very often, especially with true crime cases, which is why it's that, that aspect of it is kind of a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Um, though I, I, I do think that we should talk about with that, with, with the in real time thing like that. Um, I think it's also that while they did focus on that aspect of it, and we talked about how they also kind of input tidbits of pop culture in there and whatnot, yep. like, I, I think it's also just to ground it in the timeline, I think though. to ground it in the timeline. I agree. I think it's also good to note, though, um, that certain aspects were not touched on to do with pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, like we had talked about not to beat a dead, a dead horse, um, the way the LAPD was so like rotten to the core in the 80s like that it was so corrupt and there's not really touching on that but also like that was about the time of the satanic panic and Mm -hmm. they you like you see them always being like oh and there was a pentagram on him like it, it i feel that it kind of feeds into that satanic panic aspect even though that's all mostly done and over with i feel like they could they should have mentioned parts of it because we've done an episode on satanism um you can go back and listen if you're curious about more of the the logistics and whatnot yes yeah um pardon me but i think that even that like i feel like that can be kind of damaging and i feel like the way that they kind of characterized um ramirez as they were working their way through this case i can understand from the form of building a profile but i can also see how somebody who doesn't know about this case can easily then be swayed into the like oh well that kid in my history class draws pentagrams all inside his notebook so could he be the next richard ramirez Mm -hmm. or even just like uh, like how like people would be like oh he smelled like a goat and (laughs) like just shit like that like I just I feel that there there should have been a little bit of due diligence due diligence there to kind of be like these were ways of identifying him they are not ways of identifying killers as a a whole yeah it's not a blanket uh thing that like everybody who does this is this kind of person yes but that's kind of how like especially again I keep going back to like the Satanism aspect that's kind of how it was then yeah was that was the that was the way people viewed those who participated in satanism who were members of the church of satan it's kind of still how people well i mean that's how you create a profile of a a killer is you kind of generalize them you kind of pigeonhole them into something you're like well this person is going to be a male of this race of this age uh, that is into these sort of things that does X, Y, and Z. It like it kind of generalizes somebody into like that one thing that like uh, we could see like obviously somebody that's going to do this crime is going to be a thirty-year-old male that is into thrash metal or something like that. Like it, it really does like creating a profile just kind of like makes you like they they pick from the same tree mostly yes yes and i can i can totally get on board with that um but i i one thing that like with building this profile and the way like the way that you're that that you worded it which is great um but however they're saying like yeah and he's into thrash metal they're not saying though he's a killer so he's into thrash metal or vice versa he's Mm, into thrash mm -hmm. metal so he's a killer whereas like that's kind of the vibe that was given like in no way did people go oh yeah and there was a pentagram on his hand and i thought that was an identifying feature it was there the subtext was not hey i noticed this because 
it was an identifying feature. It was, I noticed this because of course he would be satanic. He was the devil incarnate. And like, there's a lot of like, devil satan imagery oh he did he did but i'm i'm saying that he played into that but also that wasn't really not elaborated that wasn't really stressed yeah and i understand that you've got to like you've got to like take some leave some when you're trying to tell a story without putting such a horrific monster at the forefront yeah but at, at the same, I just, I feel that there could have been more done or that it could have, the tone could have been a little different and more from a factual standpoint rather than from a feeling standpoint. Yeah. And I don't know how I feel about, like, I understand you're putting uh, the focus not on the killer, but on the people that hunted him down, the the victims, the victims' families. I understand that. And, like, that is the way that they structured this docuseries. But the way they presented Ramirez kind of, like, left a bad taste in my mouth because they used him, like, they, like used like flickers of him at some point, like images, or they used voiceovers or they use, they made him a boogeyman. Yes. When he is not a boogeyman, he's a dumpy piece of shit mm-hmm. that had to resort to killing people because he was a loser. Fuck- <laughs> he I was, was going to say fucked up. Like- he was fucked up. Like, yeah. Like the director said, like you want to, or uh, one of the articles said that like, yeah, you want to like cut these people down to way to the way to deglamorize them is to realize that they're just pieces of shit human beings. But the way that they presented Ramirez did not present him like that. No, so no, that, they did not. That's the, that's the, the only thing I don't like about like, what is, th- how do you strike the balance between not glamorizing him, but not mm-hmm. also making him seem like he's this overarching, like the mind flare in uh, in uh, Stranger yeah. Things, that he's like yeah. looming. He's this this bigger, larger than life yeah. thing, which is what you do with a voiceover because it's it's the god mic. It's the it's it's <laughs> yeah. over everything. Like it's still giving him that. Like that's exactly what he wanted because I mean, quite exactly. honestly, he wanted to be the spookiest fucking guy. Exactly, that's what I was about to say. I was like, like we're talking the satanic panic and how he played into the whole devil thing. That's exactly what the devil would do is to just be kind of looming and he's always there and like it's yeah. used in that classical imagery all the time of the devil is like mocking Jesus in the desert and the devil is standing there laughing as Jesus is crucified and mm-hmm. I'm getting into the whole Catholic school thing now but i i agree with you i think that it's like it's and in in that similar vein how of the things that they did focus on one of the one of them was like how women just were like obsessed with him and yeah like i think that we could have done without that we uh, honestly nobody like that deserves any tale of any kind for any reason no. And yes, there are some heavily confused people past and present who disagree with that statement. But it, at the end of this, why would you give that aspect a platform? Whereas you could have talked about, like we were saying before, this is why he did it. Yeah. Not like, oh, like he was like women, women inexplicably loved him. Like, he had a lot of girlfriends. Why can't we talk about, like, oh, but also he experienced, like, a really traumatic childhood. And we came to learn these things. I feel like in those, especially in that last episode, in those final, like, like, hours, goodness gracious, in those final minutes, that could have been something that was um, stressed more so than, and people just found him attractive. Because sure, yeah. people find people attractive. There are some some very confused young people on Instagram who also find Ted Bundy attractive, and yeah. there will always be those types of people. We've talked about this on an episode too. Um, there there will always be those types of people, but I think that just like Richard Ramirez doesn't deserve a platform either. We should not be because I feel like that indirectly encourages that behavior. But I also feel like you can't tell the story of Richard Ramirez without going into 
the insanity, like this, like circus like vibe that was his trial. Like you need, yes. you can't even talk about his trial without talking about the fucking crazy bitches that, yes. <laughs> that like yes. wanted to sleep with him while he is talking about like being a serial killer. And, and I agree with that. That actually, that does pose the question of, because this is called the hunt for a serial killer. Do we even... Do we even need the trial afterwards? Yeah, do we even need the trial? Or do we just, do we kind of like not gloss over it, obviously, but do we devote as much time as was devoted to it? Do we, do we like talk about Yeah, because once he's thinking, found, there's no hunt anymore. Yeah, and, and in my personal opinion, it it's that final moment in which he is found, because that's just like, that is like out of a movie. Oh, that yeah. he's just got all these people fucking hunted. chasing him. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the predator becomes the prey. Like yeah. that. Imagine closing on that. And that like, I mean, instead of making yeah, and it then like. And have like, uh, like a couple of like uh, stills. But like this is the trial was crazy. He was convicted of blah, blah, blah. He was yeah. in prison for blah and he died blah. Yes, like, and if you have any have other questions, listen to the Richard Ramirez episode by Crime Culture. It's very well done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I no, mean, but it, it's, it's I think, yeah, I think that, like, it would have been a really high note, and it could have also kind of gotten away from that whole glorifying the police, because that was another thing. It was just like, oh, and the cops and the, the, the people of... LA County held hands as as they were like celebrating that mm -hmm. everything everybody lived happily ever after the night stalker was captured everyone was safe and nobody ever had a problem especially with the police ever again yeah in their yeah. life like you know what I mean like it was very much like oh like it was a victory celebrated by everybody it's like it's like did Kendall Jenner fucking hand you a coke like or a pepsi or a whatever pepsi. it was it was a pepsi i should have known because what do i drink i drink coke and that's why no um but i just i think that if it was a holiday spice pepsi then everything would have been <laughs> fucking hunky dory if it was a holiday spice pepsi then santa would have caught richard ramirez i mean just that's cut out the cut out the little pig that's um, quite a story that would be i mean i'm down let's write the screenplay for that will it be right. factually accurate eh but it can probably guarantee that you'll have a lifetime supply. Oh, and of course, entertaining. But I'm thinking a lifetime supply of uh, holiday Pepsi for you. Holiday spice Pepsi. But um, yeah, I just I think that there's I think that there's a lot right about it. Again, I can't stress enough yeah. just the, the platform that they gave all of these witnesses, especially um, Anastasia Jaronas, I think is her, the way you pronounce her last name. Mm -hmm. um, the the now grown woman who was abducted as a little girl by ramirez crazy story a a, a, a unbelievable terrifying just terrifying story but also like her resilience both as a child but then also like as an adult that mm -hmm. she that she i i is able to and i'm sure she's done it a, a million times it's kind of like the elizabeth smart situation where she ha has such a way of telling the story and is so strong in telling yeah. it because i am sure like for example not to make it about me i would not be that strong i would be... i mean you don't know how strong you are until you can go through something like that oh i mean so. retelling it though i don't think yeah. i would be able to i think that would be a big struggle i don't think i would want to relive that and i think by putting by by being able to a come like come to terms with it be in such a mentally healthy place that you can like be like accepting that this happened to you and to share that story i think is just i think she deserves all the commendations yeah in the world um just truly but and there and and there were others but that one just really like that was one where it was like I, I, again like fully captivated just yeah. she i i was so heartbroken and yet so moved mm -hmm. by the way it's that like she anytime, told her story anytime i've watched the uh i survived yes when people tell their stories it's just like you are 
incredible. Yes. And that's exactly <laughs> like, wow. what I was thinking. Like, even like what a smart little kid. Like, yeah. Just, I mean, oh, I don't know, man. I just, I mean, it, it, so they get some stuff right. I think, I think like a seven out of 10. I think that's fair. I yeah, think I was going to ask you for, for like what your review is. Yeah, because like uh, the Rotten Tomatoes scores uh, 73%, audience score 82%. So it's like highly rated. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't then I found bad. so. No, I don't think it was bad. It was done. It, I mean, it was done beautifully. Done. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like the editing and, and cinematography and everything. It was, it was great. It was, I mean, it's Netflix. So yeah. like, easy to digest. There. Though. Like, yeah. 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 It, there was nothing. Yeah. The way they told lost. it was fine. No. And again, that, that the way that they told it again, that's very, it's unique. It's yeah. a way that keeps people informed while also being entertained as, as, yeah. as fucked up as that may be to say, to say you're entertained by a true crime podcast. But I mean, there is that macabre kind of fascination with it. I mean, that's why true crime is kind of like at the forefront right it's now. kind of why we're fucking here. It um, is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I would say maybe like 6.57 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I Definitely that's watch it if you're like yes. a true crime fan. If you haven't already, I mean, we kind of ruined it for you, but... Um, uh, we, I think we kept definitely it pretty. Watch it. But the, the, I just thought it was so interesting that I it was highly rated almost everywhere, but then I found so many articles like specifically targeting things about it. And mm -hmm. I'm like, huh, so... Everyone really liked it, but uh, it's. I guess it's just really polarizing that like some people loved it and some people hate it. But I mean, that's the fucking whole world right now. <laughs> that's very true, and I think you can't I, please everybody. You can't please everybody, and I think though that no, like it was very highly rated, but also these articles don't necessarily talk about it as a whole. They talk about the doc aspects of the docu series. Yeah, and. I think that goes with any like yes are they focusing maybe more on the negatives for lack of a better word for for the things that they did not like for the things that could mm -hmm. have been done better yes but I I don't think that also they're necessarily all of these articles are condemning the entire docu series as a whole yeah because yeah. there are and I'm sure many of them agree there are aspects that they got right. Also if you can hear any banging right now, please know that Felix is parkouring off the fucking walls and he's got Good like him. he's got boxes that he is just like batting around. It's like the goddamn mighty ducks up in here. He's got his little pen, he's sitting there. He's like all he needs is a dusk, duck mask going quack quack quack. But um anyway, now that now that I've I've shamed him into maybe quieting down a little bit, um, I think that it's just they 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 get some stuff right, they get some stuff not so right. Factually, yeah. they get everything correct, hopefully. Um, but yeah, and like despite the fact that like this is about something horrible, terrible, um, it is a docu series mm -hmm. and it's on Netflix and it's it's entertainment. And um, no matter what kind of entertainment that comes out, there's going to be people that love it. There's going to be people that hate it. And it's up to you to make your own decision of what you like and what you don't like. So there could be somebody who rates this 100%. There could be somebody who couldn't even get through one episode. Like, yeah. it's kind of up to you. Like, can't rely on a bunch of different um, goobs on a podcast <laughs> to tell you that this is fantastic. So whatever. Yeah. We we like the good. Parts I'd say of if you it. have an afternoon, it's yeah. easier to watch than like I would say I liked it better than the Madeline McCann docu series. Yes, I could I could go with you on that. I think it's shorter. It's yes. easier to uh, follow. Yes, it's not a, like Madeline McCann could have been done in like two parts, maybe. Right. At least with this. And, and also it didn't like drag. Yeah, it didn't drag. And the the parts that they did have, they all were cohesive. Yes. And I think yeah. that's a big thing, too. Yeah. It, was, it um, had good flow. Yeah. It's just it, it again. It's just you take the good. You take the bad. Take them both. And there you have the facts of life. <laughs> facts of life. Um, all right. Yeah. Well, I guess that's that. This has been the Night Stalker, Night Stalker, the hunt for a serial killer. Yes. On Netflix. There it Go is. Go watch it. Check it out. Give it a, yeah. give it a little check, tasty check, taste. Check, check, check.
check it out. And it's spook season, so you know what? Watch something spooky. Okay. Right. You've convinced me. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> Not that you've already seen it. Um, oh, no, but I can watch to... other spooky things. Yeah. Um, I will link those articles on our website. It's crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. And while you're there, you can find the links to all of our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and also Patreon. You can join for as little as a dollar, as much as whatever you want. On Halloween, some of our um, lovely uh, patrons and just some other friends um, have done a Secret Satan gift exchange, and we're going to open all of our gifts on Halloween on a live stream on Twitch. Um, details forthcoming. Yes. They're um, coming. They're coming. Check the social medias. <laughs> and also, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, correction sections, clarification corners, you can email us at crimeculturepod at gmail.com. Yes. Or you can DM us. Again, our DM yeah. from Kate. It came via DM. I think we need to go to bed. We do. <laughs> it's like 2 o'clock in the morning right now, so I need to go to sleep. It's 10.30, but I'm a grandma. We have so. been us. You have been you. And this has been an episode. And Felix has been rambunctious. Yeah. All over and, the place. Uh, we will see you uh, next, next time. time. Yeah, that <laughs> seems fair because we don't know what day it is. And no, that's you know got what? nothing to do with us being. No, it's Thursday. See you next Thursday. Today's Tuesday. If see you're you listening to this, see you, see you on Thursday. This Thursday? See, see you some Thursday. There's a Thursday. Oh, we'll happy, be there. Happy birthday to my husband, which is tomorrow. <gasps> Aw, happy birthday, Elliot. I'm sorry because yeah. we're recording this early, but I can still tell you with certainty that i certainty. ordered your with certainty that, that i right? i think so or certainty i've heard both i, I don't know certainty. don't at me don't at me <laughs> i'm sorry valiant sorry <laughs> um no i i'm just i want to apologize in advance because i definitely there's ordered your, your there's a cat butthole on my face all the time felix has jumped onto my desk he's telling me it's time to finish but okay. I just want yeah. to apologize to your uncle because I definitely ordered his gift late and it's not coming on time. That's fine. We're going to be on our honeymoon. Uh, I'm not even in the state as we're uh, as you're listening to this. So I'll just leave it for Bean. All right. Okay. All right, bye. Bye. Say goodbye, Felix. He's showing his butthole. That means bye, right? Okay, bye. Right. Butthole, bye. <laughs>